Hello and welcome to episode two of the DW podcast. Uh, firstly, thanks very much to every single person that tuned into last week's podcast with Motherwell FC player Liam Grimshaw. Uh, and thanks to everybody that sent feedback. It was the first episode, so I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, be honest and, and tell us. Uh, tell us what was rubbish with it, tell us what was good about it, because the only way we're going to improve uh, is by listening to the, the listeners and the viewers. So for episode two, I am joined uh, by a good friend of mine. I don't know if he'd say the same. Uh, Gordon Duncan. Uh, Gordon, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a wee bit about you. It's just the longest I've ever seen you be serious for, so I'm struggling here <laughs> a wee bit, but uh, you've introduced me quite fine there. Aye. That sounds all right. You're the host of Super Scoreboard and Clyde Win, I believe. I am. Aye, and, uh, Thank, good to know you listen. I listen now and again. Uh, I listen when I'm in the car, primarily just to have a wee bit of a, a laugh at the old Firm fans phoning up, who I would say probably pretend the Celtic fans pretend they're Rangers fans and the Rangers fans pretend they're Celtic fans. <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment on that. No? Yeah, maybe. Maybe the odd one. I don't uh, know. They uh, usually give it away. No, quite I, I, do, I do really enjoy it. Uh, I can't say I tuned in as much before you were on it, not to blow That's your fine. trumpet at all, but no, I, I, I do tune in. Uh, no, I enjoy it. It's, it's good listening. Uh, it's probably one of the most popular radio shows in Glasgow in the West, eh? Ah, listen, it's not really for me to kind of blow the, the, the trumpet of my own workplace, but I, it, obviously it's a bit of an institution, like that's why I love doing it, that's why it was a big buzz to be able to take over it. I think everybody who grew up in this area knows the theme tune, recognises it, it's synonymous with football in this area, whether you like it or not, so that's the good thing, I'm not saying everybody has to love it, <laughs> my goodness, I know that, that they don't, Um, that's the, that's the way we operate in this part of the world, but... Aye, it's, it's synonymous with football in this this uh, part of the world. So, thing as a Nah, I was I was wondering. I thought you might ask me that, and I already was practicing my polite way of declining. So I'll let you, I'll let you do it. You should be able to play it. You're a bit of a musician, you know. I'm not I'll use that term loosely to be honest. I but uh, how does it go again? Start us off. Nah, nah I couldn't possibly. You're having it. Nah, so it's my us. ringtone though, and my alarm clock. And is it? No, of course it's not. <laughs> I would have put it past <laughs> you. Uh, so I comes a wee bit in. And, insight into how you get into that because it's what you went to school in, in Motherwell grew up in Motherwell stayed yeah. down south for a wee bit all pretty boring um, like at school everybody kind of realises what they're good at or what they're into and mine was kind of like words anything to do with words was the sort of thing I enjoyed uh, so talking about football always seemed like a good idea um, I started off doing work experience and stuff quite early on which is actually pretty beneficial I always think it's one of those things at school you probably uh, thought brilliant you know it's a, it's a skive or whatever but turned out to be pretty beneficial so when I left school I, I used to go to model games and do match reports over the phone for a, a radio station called L107 it doesn't even exist anymore Is that Lanarkshire? Um, yeah I think it was Lanarkshire L107 so I would just phone in the show and, and give half time and full time reports from Fir Park so a bit of a, a labour of love obviously being a, a big model fan um, that just kind of snowballed and progressed I then started picking up bits and pieces at how did you get into that? Because I suppose one. you see nowadays it's there's a lot of people studying journalism. It's almost weird to get Aye, that. And that's why the experience part is as important as anything. So it was actually a, a kind of family friend, Graham Barnstable, who my little fans will probably know, um, was always quite involved in the kind of media side of things there. And, and he put me in touch with people. I did that. Peter Martin, who was the head of sport at Clyde One, and people now know as you know, Peter and Ruffy, he was a neighbour and, and like that. He, I got bits and pieces of work experience from him and I think one day somebody was sick. It was a Saturday morning. My own football had been snowed off or rained off. Um, and he phoned me and said, I need you to go to St Mirren against Dundee United for, for Super Scoreboard. And I was like 18 or 19. I was shitting myself. Kind of wanted to say no. But 
kind of realised that you, you, you can't going through your head. I'm shitting you myself. Really Absolutely terrifying. no doubt. Just that knots in my stomach. Just how am I going to sound? They're going to make an arse of it. Um, I suppose in advance of this, you'd expect people to find out on Tuesday or Wednesday they're covering St. London United, so they do their prep. Uh, it was just the morning of, just pitched right in. Somebody had to, like, an engineer had to drive me to the game and set all the equipment up for me and stuff like that, which is, um, looking back on it, it was just a nonsense because it's all dead easy, but um, at the time it seemed like a bit of a big deal. Anyway, that, that kind of progressed for there. Um, started doing games at the weekends. Eventually thought I better get a bit of paper to back it up. Did a postgrad in broadcast journalism. Um this is this is believe it or not this is me doing the short non-boring version supposedly so I don't know how I'm succeeding at that but started picking up work at Clyde uh, doing news so I did a lot of mad stuff you know that probably wasn't personally what I loved like court cases and political stuff and murder scenes and all the rest of it but it's like anything just a, a foot in the door so to speak became a sports journalist there covering the games regularly and then in the summer of twenty seventeen. Um, the previous host of Super Scoreboard moved on and, and they asked me if I would do it. So here we yeah, are. Aye. And here we are, a career high, sitting in here. Aye, this podcast, eh? Who knows what's next? <laughs> so you, you say that you, you studied journalism, where did you do that? Uh, well, like a lot of people when I was at school, again, I was just kind of panicking, like, oh, I don't know what to do at uni, what am I good at, whatever. Did an English and Spanish degree of all things at Glasgow Uni. How often do you use the Spanish? Never. I couldn't, um, pfft, I'd be miles off it now if I tried. Um, you look a bit Spanish, but I nah, know I think that's maybe why I tried working my tan as well at the same <laughs> time. But uh, no, nah, I quickly kind of realised I didn't really know what I was doing with that. I always wanted to be a journalist, so I did a postgrad over at UWS, and it was in Hamilton, which was great, um, being local and whatever else. So, um, and it was really practical, really hands on, um, and did genuinely give me a lot of skills that kind of used to this day. So, if you keep in touch with them doing your course, is there anyone else that's done? A couple. Of, there was only well, twelve well. of us on the course, and and most went you know kind of straight into the media and I think at one time there was a good two or three of us in, in the same newsroom who had all done this, the same course it's got a really good success rate even from um from the years before and after um I'm not sure if, if you'll know I mean there was Rebecca Cook as a friend she was uh, reading the news on and sort of Capital and Heart and stuff until right. very recently Derek Ferguson is now reads the news on BBC Radio Scotland not that Derek Ferguson not that Derek Ferguson no, no. um so I th- I think a lot of the guys in the guy the Spanish football league. Was he? Funnily enough, he was actually not from he was from the the Spanish side of things before that. Ah right, um, right okay. not not the journalist thing. That was yeah, Lee's a friend of mine, Lee Roden. You might have seen him on Twitter. Does La Liga stuff and, and whatever else. So her paths cross now and then, which is a yeah. bit of a small world. But and then you get into Clyde, and he says he done. Not football or sports journalism, but it was a bit mm. of everything. Yeah, I mean, it's like anything. You kind of have to. Just take whatever chance comes your way. News was was good in, in some respects. I mean, the run up to the Commonwealth Games was brilliant. Just seeing what it meant to the city. Um, it's got a lot of really cool stuff there. And you know, stayed over in the athletes' village before it opened. It was like a sneak preview for the media. And um, who were you bunked up with? Um, it was some other journalists. <laughs> not exciting, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, so stuff like that was great. But then some things just not comfortable with at all. Like. You know, if you get sent out to a murder scene and have to chat the doors of the family or the neighbours, and that was just, that was just not me. I don't, I, and actually, I'm in awe of my journalistic colleagues who who can do that type of thing because it's just it's awkward. It's just so awkward. It's almost um, a wee bit of an invasion of privacy as well, isn't it? You you wouldn't say that being a journalist, but for the other side, of, uh, this, this fence, I would say, you know, it's 
I don't really feel comfortable. You say you didn't doing it, but I don't feel comfortable in terms of as soon as someone passes away and it's there's a bit of a I, do. I see both sides it. of it at the same time if you took all of that stuff out of the news if you took all sort of reaction to any sort of incident out then I don't really know what you would be left with do you know what I mean so um, I see the benefit in it just doing it's not nice um, you know news was, was interesting it was just like different thing every day I've interviewed David Cameron before and, like, ah, just really yeah. bizarre things that you never where really, was that? it was at the Emirates um, must have been something to do with the run up to the Commonwealth Games and uh no, I'm, I'm not after the pig incident. I'm not. <laughs> I think it would be before. So you didn't get um, the quiz on that. It was interesting actually how controlled it is. I'm not wanting to set off some sort of uh, media conspiracy, but these press people were really strict, like one question each to the, the media that were there, and they were trying to ask us to, to to tell them what it was going to be and beforehand, which is a bit strange, you know. You've, that's totally. kind of trying to do your job with one hand behind your back, you know. So. It was around the time of the Peru too, remember? Oh, aye, aye. So, Did you interview them though? No, <laughs> unfortunately not. But so that you know, some, some someone wanted to ask him what what the UK government were going to do to to bring these girls home. Somebody else had something else in their mind, and it was the day that Scotland played England at Wembley. Right. And so I just thought I'm just going to ask him about that. I just and I just gave him some rubbish question about who he was wanting to win, and he just Obviously did the England, classic aye. politician thing about dodging it. And, you wish them both very well in their endeavours. He's a tadger, isn't he? He's an absolute tadger. Is it him or is it the Royal Family that claim to support Aston Villa, but they, they couldn't tell you what stadium they play at or what colours they play in? I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, they, I think one of the, one of the princes not claim to support. I think they, they're Aston Villa fans. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't play. <laughs> Listen, the Super Scoreboard doesn't quite stretch to that, so I don't know. So uh, who, well, give us an example of another story that must have jumped out the win. I suppose you said there you're asking David Cameron about sports, so you probably always had sport in the back of your I, mind. I, I listen, all the memories, all the good memories are are about that. You know, um, the Commonwealth Games was unbelievable. See, looking back on that time, um, like Usain Bolt's press conference was like nothing I've ever seen. I mean, I was used to doing St Mirren, Partick Thistle, Motherwell, Hamilton Ackies. You're like maybe three people, four people. Usain Bolt's was nuts. It was like hundreds and hundreds of people crammed into a big room, like in a lecture theatre type from every corner of the world some journalists were just embarrassing themselves you know it was like rather than asking a question they were holding hands up saying uh i don't even want to ask a question can i just get a selfie can i come on stage and oh, get a sure. selfie some of it was trying to name and shame uh, anything horrible uh, I, didn't, I wouldn't know I who they were they were from america or, or whatever else um and was, how was he with that was he quite receptive i mean you had to put your hand up and, and hope that the press staff pick you to ask the question and I managed to I managed to catch the eye of them. They they asked me, you know, and you go, but this is where you can you're knowing your audience. So from a Radio Clyde perspective, I know that technique out the blocks or what spikes he's wearing or whatever is just it's just lost. So it had to be something about Glasgow. I just asked him some absolute dross about Glasgow, what he was expecting, and his answer was even worse. About he said something that he was expecting rain and kilts. So you know, it could never be no more like stereotypical. Aye, um, but stuff like that was. That, that was it was an incredible time. I think for the, for the full city, I think the weather was even great, which totally. is a bit of a, a cliched memory, but that nah, was brilliant. Do you do anything to document all these things that you've done? Like you're dropping some big names in there from a prime minister and arguably the biggest oh, athlete of all time. Absolutely shameful of me. Um, I, listen, I think nowadays because a lot of it's electronic, I've, I've probably got some in emails somewhere. I don't take as much care of it as I should. I don't have my first game that I did or anything like that. Um, I remember my dad used to like record them in CD. I don't think day. I don't think I've first I don't think I've I've got them. Um and now all the shows are they're on podcast if you want to listen back or whatever. So 
Um, yeah, I probably should though. Yeah, totally. Pictures are probably somewhere on my Facebook somewhere. There must be a story that stands out for you that you think, oh my God, that was an absolute nightmare before you went into sports. Uh, there's been a couple, I suppose. Um, or things that you've turned up at and you thought, oh my God, what the hell am I doing here? Well, I remember going to, a, I think it was a murder or some sort of death in Dumbarton. Um, like a, some scheme beyond Dumbarton and it was, like I explained earlier, just a nightmare. You just, just don't want to have those conversations. Um, so I went to a girl's door, a woman, um, and explained here for Radio Clyde, just wondering if you can tell us, you know, what, what went on or whatever else. And she was fine, yep, no problem, in you come. So came in, um, recorded an interview on my iPhone, as you would do, sent it back, and we're sitting in the car, the Clyde One car, big branded thing, can't really miss it. Be <laughs> um, and it's, it's playing out on the news, and that's fine. I'm thinking, right, job done for now, I'll wait and see next thing. The police chap the window, so they're at... And basically, the woman had then complained that that she that she hadn't given her permission for the interview to be used, oh, and it was no. just it was so weird because like she totally had, right. like, obviously like, I she spoke to you, aye, and it was just bizarre, and and they and then the police were asking me really like, you know, did you record yourself asking her for the permission? And I was like, no, like of course I didn't, like, right. and I just it was awful, like, it, listen, it ended up getting sort of smoothed over, stuff like that, um. I remember, I better not divulge too much on this, uh, I remember doing a, what was a tragic story, let me be very clear about that, about stillbirths or something along those lines, and a part of the story was that the, the, the boyfriend or the, the father of the child had left this woman and this girl and it was, you know, it was heartbreaking stuff. Anyway, we run the story in the Monday morning. Next thing, the boyfriend is on the phone to the office saying, I know that's me you're talking about. That's all bullshit. She's this, she's that. You know, she's just doing this to get back at me. And I just thought, wow, I just never expected right, get to be out, yeah. caught in the middle of some sort of uh, domestic like that, which was really, really weird. So, How do you deal with something like that? Or how did the, the station deal with it? I can, there'll be various things. On, and specifically on that, I think just as like a goodwill gesture, you just, you just take it down you just stop running it and that just hopefully smooths things over obviously if you've done something legally wrong or whatever then you've got you're it's a bit more serious we didn't name the guy or anything like that so it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a hugely serious situation but just uh, not not one i don't want to be a part of again i suppose that you're putting yourself in almost dangerous situations when you're going out to or potentially to, dangerous situations. No, I've not been to Hillman Province or anything like that. You know, a scheme in Dumbarton after a murder's not too bad. So <laughs> I, wouldn't, right I, wouldn't, I wouldn't pretend to be. But have you ever felt um, under threat or ever felt, you know, this could come back and bite me in the arse here? Or? Nah, not really. I mean, the football ones are, you know, we used to get sent the old Vox Pop is the old kind of technique that that's, you know, you've seen it before. You turn on the news and it's just, they're in a street asking about Brexit or about the budget or about the price of something or about, you know, anything like that. So when you go and ask, Sometimes about you know being in a football environment. Sometimes fans are not the most welcoming, well, especially in the rest of Scotland. So, uh, exactly. So um, I've not really had it too bad, and you can kind of laugh about it. I mean, one of my colleagues um, recently was over on one of the, the, the trips abroad, um, and I'm not being selective. I'm not. I can't remember which one it was, so I'm not absolving anyone from blame. I genuinely can't remember which group of fans it was, but it was. It would have been Celtic or Rangers this season in Europe, and he, you know he gets spat on just for asking. You know. Can we get your thoughts on the games? So, I fuck Stephen Philip Evie all day. Aye, it's not great. Uh, totally. But seeing that, I've seen you in some nicks, so. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, so, moving on. Well, before we move on to how, how you get into sports, mm -hmm. so you're in the door at Clyde. Mm -hmm. What's your first impressions of George Bowie? 
George is a brilliant guy, by the way. He's a really, <laughs> really, really nice guy, honestly. And he's, he's as you would expect. Is he a raver? Uh, he puts out the tunes, but does he go for it? Oh, I mean, aye, as far as I know. I mean, it's in his blood, that sort of stuff. I don't think he can be as passionate about it and, and put that on. Um, and I guess like most of those sort of like DJ, t- I mean, I'm I'm a presenter on the show, but I'm not really like, you know, like like them. They're, they really are. George is like larger than life. You know, he, totally. he's... He's funny, genuinely is funny. He's a really nice guy as well, down to earth. Um, extremely successful at what he does, like, if you were to... How long has he been at it? Oh, God, I should know that, shouldn't I? Um, Must be 20-odd years at least, It's eh? a long, long time. Yeah. I, I can't remember specifically. Um, I think he, yeah, I mean, he's extremely successful at what he does. The GBX is an absolute phenomenon. If you look at... I remember watching one of the presentations about listening figures... Saturday night GBX per sort of head of population or whatever is one of the most listened to radio shows like in Europe on a Saturday night because you know I mean in terms of the percentage of people who are listening to radio because obviously it's not a particularly popular time to be listening to radio um, but it's a, it's a phenomenon like genuinely and ah, he's a great guy it's really almost a way passage for some youngsters coming through and listening to GBX and and, and I find it strange because it was when we were teenagers it was on and folk would phone up and go, oh, Georgie boy, he's a shout-out, blah, blah, But it's not, it's ran the test of time. It shows you how how big it is when Hibs beat Rangers in the Scottish Cup final 2016. Um, and you remember the way that ended. It was quite lively, to say the least. I would honestly say about an hour after full-time, at the most, right? So you would think they had other things in their mind. John McGinn, who had played for Hibs that day, texted me and said, can you get me a shout out and can you get the boys a shout out in the GBX like we're on the bus on the way back <laughs> so I phoned George and I explained but then of course <laughs> gauging the, 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 oh, the, the feeling in Glasgow guy. that night Can't amongst imagine. the Rangers fans I, I don't think he took them all on as if to say yes we're on the bus you know go, so, right. but I'm pretty sure he gave them a mention right. but that just shows you know oh, so totally. you've just won the Scottish Cup it's probably the biggest day of your life what's your first thought? better phone George about <laughs> get a shout out so <laughs> That's what I, that kind of sums it up. He does the breakfast show as well, eh? Aye, well, that, that's his Aye. that's his bread and butter, if you so like. So did he do that before he started teaching? This is an interview about George Barry now, sorry. Put me in the spot here. More, I don't more, know, his breakfast show's been going for a long, long time as well. He learned now they've been a DJ first. It's again, almost as if he just and... sleeps all day. It's up in the morning, sleeps all day and gets it raving at night. Aye, no, I, th- I don't know that's exactly what he does. I, think, <laughs> I don't think there's any secret there. Aye, Aye. that's pretty much it. And I, on a Saturday when I, when I used to work, so... Um, People be saying I'm so boring telling you these stories, but the I used when I first started news, I did 18 Saturday nights in a row right. in the newsroom till 10 o'clock. You know that's like the apprenticeship, if you like. Um, but people would always get the number wrong, and they would phone me when they're looking for a shout out, <laughs> and it was the worst because it would honestly happen about uh, genuinely about 20 times in a shift. Hello, Clyde News, Georgie boy. <laughs> no, no, it's Clyde News. Aye, but can I get a shout out? You're just having the same conversation over and over again. So I would always see him on a Saturday night. Where is it tonight? You know, Mega Bar, The Palace, whatever. No, I don't think it? there's a nightclub in the West of Scotland that he's no, moving in. Exactly. No, exactly. He puts in some shift. Totally. So when did you go to? You went from sports mm. uh, news to sports reporting? I just I think I got a, one of the the, the sports reporters. Sports reporters, a, a woman called Sheila McLaren, you may know, who now works at STV. She moved. I think I essentially got her job um, as a, a full-time sports reporter. So that was great. It's just back to doing what I loved. So you, every day you're either at 
Celtic press conference, Rangers press conference, Motherwell press conference, Scotland. Uh, you go abroad with Scotland and with Celtic or Rangers when they when they go away. So um, that's I. That's always what I wanted to do, and then kind of feeding everything into Super Scoreboard at night. So I think it's given me a good insight as well, because I know the guys who do feed the show, feed the content into the show. I know exactly what they're what they're going through. Aye, aye, aye so. totally. So you went abroad with, with Scotland. Was there any of the, the players you made any friendships with? Or was there any? Nah. Are you kind of far removed? Because I've I've watched these interviews with mm-hmm. I don't know the likes of even Hugh Evans it's on mm-hmm. you and Chick Young or so and they say that Aye. back in the day oh, they used to go bevy with the players used to get with the managers but it's almost now you kind of get near them no, it's completely changed and there's a bit of envy there I mean there are players I know from whether it's because they're local or because I've met them a number of times there are still guys I can pick up the phone to like no doubt about it but um, compared to back then oh, night and day and that just comes from a an environment where the clubs want to control everything Every club's got, you know, a couple of media officers and particularly the bigger clubs then with Scotland as well. So it's all very structured, all very set up. You know, they're almost kind of ushered into the room and then ushered out of the room again. There's just no real, there's not a real time for, for interaction or stuff like that. I mean, you get the odd one, the trips, they're so-so. You don't get very much exposure to the players. Um, I mean, I remember being away with Celtic in, in Molde in Norway. Um, and they get beat, and uh, know, some Celtic fans might remember Chris Collins took a hissy fit, he got right. subbed off, and he was slaughtering Ronnie Dyler and going mental. So seeing the dynamic in the in the, the, the airport and, and on the plane is mm-hmm. crazy. After that, you know, it's like it's like a morgue. Do you know what I mean? So nobody's talking to each other. Nah, no way. So um, ah, it's seeing that kind of environment close up is interesting. I think. And I'm now out of this for a couple of years now. I don't think you go on the same flight as Celtic or Rangers anymore. You, you did. do Scotland, do Again, not always. They are this time away in Kazakhstan at the moment. Um, you can cut this bit out if you're not using this podcast for another couple of weeks. But oh, no, uh, they're in Kazakhstan just now. I think they are on the same flight this time. Um, it just depends. So oh, the trips are great because you get. It's just a different. You're seeing the fans out there, kind of partying. You're probably jealous of being in a, a couple of European trips from Motherwell as well not as many as I would like so yeah, good fun I suppose you touched on it earlier and you said you, you worked Saturday nights as well but sounds like it's quite a, an anti-social job in terms of the hours that you do and I mean you, especially when you're going to the football you must have been at games during the week games at the weekends Aye. how do you make time for, for friends and family and ah, is that something that you never people, cross your mind some people actually work for a living so you will not <laughs> get me laying it on thick as if it's a a big hassle I mean my sort of peak of when I was doing most of the games as a reporter it'd be definitely a Saturday usually once in the midweek maybe twice in the midweek anything on a Sunday you know and that can mean Ross County on a Wednesday night it can mean um, you know Inverness on a, a Sunday lunchtime so I listen it's, it's got its challenges but pff, if you can't enjoy that you're in the wrong business totally so what's uh, what was uh, you must miss going to the football I suppose I do I, it's the one uh, thing I miss the most I mean it's it was obviously a, a great honour, if you like, without sounding too cheesy, to take over the show, and I love it, and I wouldn't swap it, but it's probably the one thing I miss. I just don't get to as many games as I can, as I used to. I've sort of mastered midweek games, rushing off and getting there for the second half, starting get the odd Sunday game, if we're not there. Because you can't you can't beat it. I've, I've always felt like when I was constant, and because it wasn't just Celtic and Rangers, I was at St Mirren and Motherwell and Partick Thistle and I just felt like, without even trying, I just felt like I knew everything that was going on, I was speaking to the managers the day before, I would be at the game, I'd be speaking to them afterwards, and I just felt across everything, whereas now I have to make sure that I'm across that, to, so I don't get caught out. Who's the worst manager you've dealt with? 
I feel like Tommy Wright just fucking hates me. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing. See the St. Johnston manager. Yeah. He just, I just, and he's obviously quite a big kind of scary guy. Um, and I always hear some other people in the press go, "Oh no!" When you get to know him, he's lovely. And I just think, "What's he done to you?" I just, he just never really just given me much time. Really, to be honest, just a few. I remember he get he get two players taken off injured early doors at a game at Fir Park. And they, they lost, and when he came in after it, I said something like, and this just summed it up, because listen, everybody knows the press can be, can ask stupid questions, so I, I've always been conscious of that, like, especially after the game, when you know a manager's high or, or low, don't ask anything stupid, straight as you can for the first question, you know, like, give us your thoughts on the game, that's it, straight as you because how can you take that the wrong way, cool. sort of thing, um, and I remember asking him, I said, how disruptive were your early changes? And you get two two players subbed off after twenty minutes. How disruptive were your early changes? And, and how are the guys? And I'm thinking I've got them here. He can't react angry at this. Straight as a die. I'm being nice. I'm asking after the welfare of his players. And he just pauses like that, and then just stares up, and just goes, "That's two questions." <laughs> and I was just like, "No danger." Like, and but I was almost, I was used to it then, so it wasn't the first time he'd been a right. shot. And I just said, "You know." I've, I've, wasn't cheeky or anything, but I said, you know, mm-hmm, I know. Well, that's two questions, right? On you go. And then he, he kind of had to just go on because there was absolutely no way he was trying to pin anything on me for being out of order because I couldn't have been more straight. So this was a really, really small example. Um, the rest of you know, I think very, very early did I, uh, you know, people in the media used to always talk about the Walter Smith stare and stuff like that. I mean, I'd be li- I've seen it, but I'd be lying if What's I said that? it was ever. Well, just he's so just, happy with you. Yeah, he's got a bit of a presence, right? You know, um, um, and even Brendan Rogers are not not particularly scary at all. But all they've all got a, an attempt at a stare. They give you the stare. And there's that wee pause before they answer, and that's usually when you know. That's right, it's a shout. Um, but um. You Motherwell fans will know Mark McGee the bit of a short fuse as well, <laughs> guys like that. So um I've never had it too bad. Um but just Tommy Wright, man. Is there MD that you really <laughs> MD that you really like? Oh loads, absolutely loads, because you start liking them for different reasons. Who's the best folk you've dealt with? Um I mean you so you go personally, so I, I came into it at a time when Stuart McCall was a model manager and he was a brilliant model manager and just what a brilliant guy he is. I know you you know that as well. I remember your band doing some stuff with him and stuff. Just totally. a great guy. He was a great talker. So just he, he ticked like kind of so many boxes. From professionally you're looking for who's a good talker, who's gonna give you a, a line, so to speak. Um Gerard Rogers. Yeah, they, they, I mean they were both good. There was a time obviously when it was Lennon and McCoist. So yep. they, you know, they were both they were both magnificent. That was my, my first duo, if you like, when I went into the job. Where um, were you when the, the shame game happened? Were you covering that? No, it wasn't actually. No. no, I can't remember where I was. But my colleague Mark Wilson, <laughs> he scored the goal that night that won it for Celtic. And it's just funny to, to remind him of it because he thought that was him. He, he made it. He's like, oh, you know, that's name and scored a winner in an old firm game. Right. He's expecting to see his name back page of the paper the next day. And he says he had to turn about 10 pages in <laughs> to even find a mention of the goal because it was all about Lennon and McCoy. Uh, so they were my first. Probably the only goal he scored as well, aye, I think so. I exactly. It was a miss it. I'd like to tell him that as well. Is <laughs> that um, a deflection or something? No, he whacked Papach in the head and then he scored the rebound. So, right. um, I they were they were the first duo. Um, it's been under no illusions as well. The profile of Gerard and Rogers was just phenomenal. I mean, I was there on the day they were both unveiled. I mean, 12,000 folk turned up to see the manager being appointed. That's, that's ridiculous. I mean, like him, love him, hate him, whatever. 
I'm just talking purely on profile. That's unbelievable for up, for up here, and it, it has been. So you've got profile, which those two have in abundance. You've got, you know, Lines, who's a, who's a good talker, who's going to tell you something controversial. Craig Levine's magnificent for it. It just seems to not give a fuck at the moment. Mm, he's just totally. totally on one, just slagging everybody. So, he, you know, he's great. Um, Do you ever see folk like Craig Levine, the media officers must be squirming? In the background behind them, or do you think they're just used to it now? They're like, oh, there he goes the, again. You get the odd one. I think, like, players as well, they're obviously, and that goes back to what I was saying about them trying to control everything, you know, panicking if anything goes wrong. And I, I think they've they've got a, a tough job. I think guys like Craig Levine, they're so experienced, they're probably not that bothered. It's maybe for young players where they feel they need to be a bit more protective. Um, it's not uncommon to get a wee phone call maybe and be like, oh, look, see when they said that, look, you know, that's not what they meant and they, they didn't mean <laughs> that and you think, listen, um, we'll do what we like sort of thing. Right. So, uh, nah, I think, nah, I, I, wouldn't, I don't envy the, the media officers nowadays, that's for sure. So Tommy Wright's here, Arch Nemesis then. I've only spoken, it's not that big a deal. Um, Strachan's famously difficult. Right. Um, which is... Is it personally which is difficult fine. for you? Or is nah, it a, nah, not too bad. Again, it's just about trying to ask the question if you ask the question really in the right way he's alright I think it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a chess game like you're trying to give him as little wriggle room as possible and you can tell he's looking for it like he used to get he gets in those kind of moods and he would he, start, he always does this he kind of looks up the back of the room he just start looking about and he, you know, he pulls their face he's famous for it right. like the only excuse type stuff I mean I've seen him like oh, some really awkward ones where he'd just be like shooting people down I don't think I've had it too can be quite nasty personally. at times though can't he no comment. You're playing it safe. Um, no, I. Uh, depends the way you you take these things. He's obviously he just doesn't suffer fools gladly. Just mm. no room for what he feels are stupid questions. There's some managers are just so polite they would just answer anything, which totally. is which is up to them. Each to their own. Mm. So then uh, you you moved on to Super Scoreboard, mm-hmm. but I suppose before you you had Jim Delahunt mm-hmm. and then uh, Jeremy Culloch. So they'd been there, with Jim Delahunt, he must have been there for a good few years. No, he didn't do the show that long, but he had been, it was obviously a really, you know, experienced guy. It was interesting. So Peter was first, Peter Martin was first, and I was obviously forever going to owe him a lot for giving me a chance. I mean, if I was to think now then, would I phone up a 19-year-old, I might even have been 18, who had no real experience this Saturday, would I phone them up and say, look, I need you to go and do a game? Probably not. Yeah, he took that chance. He was brave enough and... Does that not rub off you and think he done it for me? I'd do it for. Yeah, probably it. should. Now yeah. that I think about it, right? Yeah. Okay, I'll be a better person when I leave this room <laughs> now. Um, but listen, oh, I don't know. He obviously trusted me, had faith in me, so maybe if I felt the same, then I. So uh, if there's any eighteen or nineteen year olds watching this, I have to phone you up and say, "Give me a text and see what, see what we can Ross do." Um, so you know, there was that first. Peter left. Jim came in as a guy who I just used to watch on telly when I was young. You know, right. Scott Sport and stuff. So I thought that was. That was he was a big name. Yeah, that was amazing. So Jim was just really experienced. Um, I, I don't remember a great deal. I'm not going to lie. I just don't remember a great deal about um, working that closely with him in terms of the show because that was maybe my early days. Um, if you're in during the day and he's at night or something. Jerry then came in at a time when the show was probably going through a transition of keeping up now with like social media and everything else that, that comes with that because that's totally changed the football landscape in Scotland like and everywhere and it's changed everything, let's be honest. So you know, maybe getting into that a bit later on but... Um, so Jerry was really, really quite proactive, really hands-on. Um, but listen, you, it's the absolute cliche book is out in force. But you just got to be yourself. I'm not trying. I probably subconsciously learn things for these people, but 
I learned very quickly. I've just got to be myself. People like it great. If they don't, then that's fine as well. Did you know the call was coming? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. No. Um, shocked. I totally shocked. I was in the yeah. car uh, with my my wife, and so. Um, I don't like did you toasted it a couple of times, eh? You'd still I mean, it's like sub sub appearances, but I still just um, a couple of things. I didn't think Jerry would leave, and I didn't think that even if he did, I didn't think they would ask me to do it. So there's two factors that we had to get over. Um, fuck, I don't mind spilling the secrets now, but my, I've got a friend who is now kind of my boss, um, but he, he's a good friend as well. And he phoned me. And he did give me a heads up. Look, it's going to happen. It's going to happen tonight. They're going to call you. And I was stunned. Should he have done that? Uh, or was that uh, a bit? Probably not, no. But it's fine. It's harmless fun, I'm sure. You can edit this out if we're going to get in trouble. Um, <laughs> and again, it was funny, the exact same feeling as when I got asked to do the first game. Exact same. My heart actually sank, which maybe just shows you that oh, I'm not, of course, I, I mean, I am generally a confident person, but maybe not as much as you would as you would think. So I think my, that's natural, though. My yeah. first reaction, rather than delight, was actually my heart sank. It's the strangest thing. As if, Oh shit! I don't know if I can do that. I, I don't know if I'm up to that. Like they're big shoes. I just don't know if I can fill it. Like I'm not going to say no. Of course I'm going to say yes. That shocks me. I, I would have thought you'd have been nah. over the moon. Like, yeah, listen, I was, but I'm talking about that very first split second. Right. It's just like shit. Can I fill those those boots? Um, and it happened pretty quickly then. Um, and my my boss. Uh, Brian, who's another guy that obviously took a big chance, could have been very easy for him to go and get a more established name. Probably at that point. point. Yeah, well, it's twenty or something like that right. um, and Brian's actually sadly no longer with us he, he, he died not too uh, long after that so for him to have kind of taken that chance and he was brilliant just kind of sculpt in the early days of, of what it should have been like so 27 now listen it's, it's not young it's probably quite young to do a job like that I think at the time you know, and there was like a press release and stuff went out about it which is just weird I mean it's not like anyone really, really cared I don't think but your face was plastered across a few websites. And they were asked, you know, the, the guy who wrote the press release from a PR company was saying, you know, there were this big debate about whether we mentioned that I was like the youngest host of it ever and all that. And, and I just thought, I just don't care. You know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I suppose that I, I probably am or I was, but... But that shouldn't matter. No, you know, exactly. I, so I think we ended up just not caring about that. I think we took that stuff out. Because yeah. you're then opening yourself to criticism, aren't you? Ah, yeah, listen, he's inexperienced. He's this, ah, he's you're supposed to be there because... Sure. People think you can do the job exactly. or whatever, so that's exactly. fine. What was your first show? Do you remember it then? Was the yeah, point? yeah, it was the 31st of July. Um, to the date. And just straight back in. So the show always starts fully on the Monday before the league season starts. So season starts first week of August, it was the 31st of July. Um, and again, weird. So for all I said that my heart sank when I, I get the call, the first moment of the show was just plain sailing. Just right. completely, just as soon as I put that mic up and the red light went on, it was just felt like bang, and I was away. And again, I, th I know that that shouldn't be misinterpreted. That's not me saying, oh, I was brilliant, and I've continued to be brilliant. I'm just talking about the way I felt. It just yeah, felt great. Natural. I just loved it. And again, a bit of a kind of, in this, will, any maybe broadcast journalist or newsreader or commentator in that will tell you, I, the buzz of kind of being live is brilliant. And I'm not sure it ever really goes away. Do you ever forget your life? Not that forget your life, but think, no. oh, God, I need to watch what I'm saying here. Or I need nah, to... I mean, you get more comfortable. Um, yeah. I think even probably um, listening back, I was probably a bit more robotic even then, you know, in the first few shows or first few weeks, months even, maybe even I still am more than I would like to be. I don't know. Um, you do get more comfortable, but no, the, the day you forget you're on air or not, you're, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> you say. What was the, the social media 
aspect like because I suppose Jerry was quite big on social media before mm-hmm. before he left he went to Celtic and then then you came in so it was I was just like what school did he go to really <laughs> was the first question <laughs> from both sides I mean? Aye, oh, listen and I get that every single day of my life now way more than I did then so it was actually good it was a wee taster of what was to come so they announced it just towards the end of the season I was at a game at Aberdeen Rangers I think it was like a Friday night game and they had just announced it, and so Jerry spoke about it on air. And I was at the game, and we had, you know, and then the tweets, tweet, Twitter just started going mad. Um, I what school did he go to? What team does he support? Um, and why does it matter? Well, I, it still matters two years on, so I don't, I don't know. You'd have to ask everyone else. And What's that's your theory made... behind it? Because I suppose. Oh, just I, I don't think it's. I don't think it was a. It was a bit obvious who Jerry McCulloch supported, wasn't it? it didn't really make it much a, a secret, and then he went to Celtic, so. He was probably, I would say, people welcomed him with arms, didn't they? So it would. No. 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 <laughs> well, no, because that, that, that makes me laugh. I always hear this like, I mean, why do the media in this, why don't they just admit who they support? Then we all know, and then we can move on. Except nobody in the world will want to move on. It's a complete lie. You know, you're fine. You might get the odd one, but if I am still, everybody knows I'm a Malo fan, right? Everybody knows it. It's, the, it's not a secret. And if it was, it would be the worst kept secret of a season ticket holder all my life. I was a ball boy. I've been planes, trains and automobiles following them to far-flung corners of Europe. Like, everybody knows it, right? But yet still, every day, okay, oh, aye, what team do you really support? <laughs> uh, some Mullow fan, you listen to what you do. So this notion that somehow if people admitted what team they would support, everyone would just accept it and move on is not true because I think that's living, that's living proof of it. I suppose I'm guilty as well because Chick Young claims he's a St. Norman fan, didn't he? I don't know if he is. <laughs> as far as I know, he <laughs> I is. But I, mean, I don't I, think he is. I think he's a Rangers. I've actually played fives with Chick. You know, I'm trying to think if I've ever seen him in St Mirren get up. I think he did a Rangers top on that day, did he? Nah, no, I don't think you're so. No I think you're, trouble, you're causing trouble. But uh, aye, so let, listen. The idea that someone could come out and say, look, I'm a, I'm a Celtic fan, and then forever all the Rangers fans would just be like, no, that's fine, and wouldn't hold it against them. Nonsense. Not in this city. Maybe some people, but... I'm a minority. What's the worst abuse you've had? Because you do get some badgings, don't you? You must think. I don't think I get it too bad, honestly. No. I, I, I think the pundits, because they're the ones who are giving their opinions. That I suppose your role is more to be a mediator. Or Aye. Well, don't get me wrong, that gets misunderstood yeah. ridiculously as well at times, but the guys get it way worse than me. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Hugh's been, Hugh Evans has been punched at games and stuff, and I, I say that with a big smile on my face as if it's funny, and it's not. But um, I mean, yeah. that's the level. You know, you've been punched at Tynecastle before. Has he really? Yeah, he tells a magnificent story about it. I think it was a Celtic game and it was the main stand at Tynecastle and somebody whacked him. Um, what for? Oh, God, no, it's just for being annoying, probably. Um, yeah, clearly nothing serious, you know. Clearly it wasn't deserved. Who could it be? Um, I can't listen, I get the odd thing. I've muted a couple of folk on Twitter, but not many, because I just let it, you know, if the very worst they ever accuse me of is being biased to Celtic or, you know, or Rangers. And see, once you've heard that like a thousand times, I don't know if these people still think it's got an effect. No offence. You know, if, if they do, fine. Good on them, but... Can God. you switch off? Oh, God, I like... You would never let it... Not stuff like that. Mm. You know, there's an old saying that the truth hurts. So see anything that I think could maybe be, like, be true, they, that's bound to be a bit more cutting. But see if the biggest thing they can come up with is that I'm biased towards Celtic. Or, oh, my God, no, that's water off a duck's back because it's... It couldn't be further from the truth. And what sort of makes me <laughs> kind of laugh as well is... And I'll be very clear on this. I will never at any point say, 
oh, the show's great and everybody should listen to it because that's just not the way the world works. I'm, I'm, what I will strongly defend is the notion that we are somehow deliberately, that's the key word, people would have you believe that we are deliberately biased towards Celtic or Rangers or against Celtic or Rangers and that we have an agenda. You see that word all the time. And I just wish people would stop for a second, take a deep breath and think, right, hold on a minute. As a commercial radio station, they rely purely on as many listeners as possible. We literally have to please as many people as possible or the show will die, I won't have a job, won't be able to pay my mortgage, etc. So the notion that we would deliberately try and alienate one set of those fans is mental, completely mental. Listen, people may think that we're not successful at being balanced, that's fine, that's a different, that's a different argument. But when I hear the word agenda, I always think, Wow, think about think about that. Madness. We want we need we, we literally need to please as many people as possible. That's what we're there for. Whether we succeed in doing that or not, that's not for me to say. But the idea that it's deliberate is <laughs> mad. You mentioned the, the Specky Chip himself getting oh, getting man. punched. What Tell a us man. a wee bit about Hugh Keevens then, because oh. he's almost a bit of an enigma, isn't he? He's, he's a phenomenon. He's just he's I listen, he's he's like the he's sort of like the pantomime villain, um, but he's he's synonymous with the show. I mean I'm he's irreplaceable right now probably i mean he's just so synonymous with the program his voice is instantly oh, recognizable he away, he's you? got the nasal voice he tells a good story but that's how he first got the job right. he, someone he, he did an interview for the station about something the guy said that guy's got a really unusual voice <laughs> like you know and, and got him on because of that but listen he's just been there and seen it i always kind of sympathize with him i say you used to get exchange christmas cards with sir alex ferguson you have dealt with Steen and Waddle and Billy McNeil and John Gregg and now you sit in here with me like that must be a real come down from his oh, what age is he? 69 he's 70 he's not going to retire anytime soon oh is he? god no he loves it he absolutely lives for it I mean it was summed up the day that Stephen Gerrard eh Stephen Gerrard yeah, um, Brendan Rodgers left it was a Tuesday he's not on a Tuesday he's on a Monday and a Friday but we just knew we had to just get him on you know, I phoned him like just come in come in even for an hour and he popped up at the start of the show and just made a bit of a joke about saying, what are you doing here? And he says, I was born for days like this. You know, <laughs> He's not he, even joking, is he? No, he loves the drama. He's incredible. And the stories he's got, like I say, he's been punched at Tynecastle. And I remember mid-flow at Tyne, and also at Tynecastle, a woman's handbag fell on his head and like nearly knocked his glasses off and all the stuff was everywhere. And he's just got so many brilliant stories. I know people love to hate him, which is fine. That's probably what he's kind of there for and disagree with him. But for me as well, I'm in awe of his... He's uh, he's phrasing the he's turn the phrase sometimes for me just as a kind of a kind of sports journalist geek or a kind of ah oh god I just sit sometimes and think wow the way he wraps his words up is incredible I'll never get to that level I don't think did you ever think when you first went on I know in, in certain workplaces sometimes think oh I'm, I'm young this guy's older and experienced mm -hmm. you know he's he's quite threatening or he's quite has he always been quite supportive and but, but aye, he's, he's always been really supportive, but that's that's also where I would give him great credit, is he, he gets it, he just completely gets that he has to go with the times as well, so yeah. he embraces social media, I mean you'll see the Specky Tube is an unbelievable example, There's so many guys of his age take themselves too seriously and, and wouldn't do that, he'll do anything, you know, he, he gets it, he gets that he has to adapt and he says I'm the first host that wasn't born when he started doing the, the job, right, okay. but he, he gets, he gets that that that's fine then that's the way the dynamic has to work and i'm there you'll say young whippersnapper now and then and i'll 
try and test him and I like to, I like to press his buttons and if he says something I like to say, hold on, I'm not sure about that. You, you back that up and, and then that's, he just gets it, he gets it. That's the way the relationship's meant to be. Um, first time I did a game when I was at St Mirren against Rangers, it was like Christmas Eve or just before and I was pretty... It, was, it felt like a big deal, but he's nah, he's fine. He's, he's Still gets thirty three ten Nokia. Oh, it's what a what an absolute beast this thing is. Honestly, I don't. It's not a thirty three ten. I kind of say that it is sometimes because it's the only model I can remember. He's still texting for polyphonic oh, ringtones or something. He's, it's no, it's worse than that. It doesn't have a colour screen. It's it's a black and white Nokia. Um, if you text him, it doesn't come up your name. It just comes up a number. So he has to just guess from what the content <laughs> of the message is. <laughs> who it is and he's got like oh, loads dear. of people's numbers memorised like the last three digits so he'll say oh, I know your number ends in blah and, oh, and uh, so and so uh, Jerry McCulloch's his end in blah Derek Johnson or his is um, because he's oh my god the technology is horrific he's like Awful. so bad but it's funny what other, gives us good content what other pundits would you say are, are, are a laugh around the, the office they're all decent um, in different ways I think there's a decent balance there because they're all, they're all so different um Probably the biggest kind of surprise for people, I think, would be Alex Ray, just in terms of the the public perception compared to the, the reality of it, because obviously he was a sort of snarling player with disciplinary issues, um, his own personal issues as well, which he speaks really openly about, which I'm, I always really admire. Um, but what a really, really nice guy. Like, And you get a couple levels of nice guy. You get someone who's just pleasant to speak to, but I'm talking about would, would go that extra mile for you, would, you know... And instantly, like, you know, first time I met him was we were driving up to Inverness for a game. So pff, you're in at the deep end, you're six hours in the car with somebody. If you don't go on with him, you're, you're fucked. fucked. Um, but it was magnificent. And then I was just at that stage, I was maybe like fanboying a little bit. You know, who was the best player he played? Along, uh, who was the best player he played against? And, did you tell me you interviewed David Cameron? <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> and he was rhyming off and he was going, Oh, yeah, oh, big pa- oh, Patrick was Patrick was a big pussycat and all that. I'm thinking, pa- Patrick? Patrick Vieira, you know, and I'm like, oh. Oh, you know, and he's like, and, and Roy, you know, Roy was, a, Roy was a mad bastard. And I'm going, Fucking Roy Keane. Right, first name terrible. And he rolls up his sleeve. He's a very animated guy, Alex. He's very energetic. And he rolls up his sleeve as I'm driving and like puts his arm right in front of my face. Look at that. You see that? And he's got a squeaking of scar on his arm. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, David Ginola's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. No problem, says, I was raging. I was a sub, and I, I got told I was playing, and I came on. Two seconds later, poof, right in the fucking you know, and then I've sent off again. Fine, two weeks wages, and then and then he quickly goes into this really serious story about how that's how he turned himself around, and he realised right. that he had a bit of an issue then and stuff. But that's what he's like. His stories are are brilliant. And do you remember Scotland played Gibraltar? But right. it was in yeah. it was in Faro in Portugal like that. I said, oh, I'm meant to be going over to cover the game. I've got a place in Portugal. Come and stay. Listen, you can go and stay there. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll get flights over. I'll stay with you. That's the type of guy. Did you do it? Aye. Aye. Manny is what? So I a couple of nights in Alex's Portuguese bar. <laughs> Bizarre. How was that? I could. You're, you're not a drinker, but I can't imagine. Is he? No, no. <laughs> well, for very, not now. for very different reasons, I would imagine. Aye. But I So it was I. We only hear the, the phone calls that come through, but there must be many that, that don't come through. How do you go about oh. cutting them off? And what's the worst you've heard? Well, bear in mind that I don't hear the ones that don't get through either because the, right. a produ- one producer takes the call. So one guy takes every every phone call and then we phone back the guys that we want to get on. I mean, there's no really any other way of doing it. I mean, right. you know, there's no there's no grand conspiracy there. We, it's just it's the only way you can really do it. Um, and that's why I do, I re- if we're talking misconceptions of the show, right up there is my favourite. I always get this on Twitter, you know, like, oh, aye, there they go. They've somehow managed to find another 
unhappy, happy Celtic, you know, whatever. They've somehow managed to find somebody who's on to criticise. They've got, what are the chances? I suspect they've got them lined up. If you could see it in action, it's really quite a small-time operation. One guy handles, like, however many calls, and he's got me giving him hand signals through the window, saying, hurry up, get somebody on the phone. So it's just, there is a, there's a bit of luck involved. Obviously, if there's somebody that sounds like they're going to come on and cause us real hassle, then yep. we just can't do it legally. Um, How so, come some flip, slip through the net? Well, listen, it's not that they slip, Very through, rarely, though, they slip through the net. I mean, it's just, we don't, we don't want to... We don't want to um, I mean, it's just in terms of if somebody phones on and says, look, here's what I'm going to say, and that point is something that could get you in legal trouble, then they're not going to, they're not going to get put through, or if they sound really incoherent or whatever. And, I mean, it wouldn't be me first, it wouldn't be for me to say that some people might phone up um, having been out enjoying <laughs> themselves. So, um, But the, in terms of the ones that do get through, right, so that it's not, it's not really a secret. I think people probably appreciate the show operates on a slight delay. It's about eight seconds. Um during which time we need to establish have they swore and have they said anything that would get us in legal trouble and if they do there is a dump button and it cuts them off and hopefully you will never hear it right so aye. is there any that stick in your mind that you oh, think oh I have through I always thought when I took the job it would I'd very very rarely use it I don't use it that often but still more than I thought so just the odd swearies are easy because it's like somebody says fuck then you, you hit the button and you get rid of it that's fine and does it cut it um, in the middle of the call yeah, it just cuts it so that, you, you, like I say, you're listening at home, you're eight seconds behind. Right. As soon as I press that button, it brings you straight up to the present moment. Right, okay. So anything that's happened in the last eight seconds disappears. Um, I have been, the first time it happens, in fact, still when it happens, your heart's like beating because you're like, oh, I'll make sure I can cut it off. There's been loads of men. The guy phoned in and he was, and this just sums up Glasgow because of the way this word was used. He didn't even mean it in the insulting way. And he says, I'm a Rangers fan. And he says, you know, hurts me to say it, but. Do you know what we need? We need a Scott Brown. We need a Scott Brown in there. He says, I'm not saying I like the cunt, but I just, uh, and I, whoa, <laughs> my heart's like, <laughs> so I'm like, right, dump, turn him off. And like, you know, it was, the, it was the Glasgow use of the word. Aye, it was aye. the all right use of aye, the word, really, if that aye. makes sense. Um, and there is a suggestion that it actually got left in the podcast. It forgot, we forgot, somebody forgot to edit out the podcast. Eventually it got taken out. Not after a few, uh, until a few people had heard it. The first one I got that really set me off because obviously it is live and you don't want to laugh too much. But I remember this woman came on and we had just been hey, having a bit of fun, a bit, of, bit of banter or whatever before we took the call. So we went into the call sort of kind of laughing like, oh, you know, like, who's next up? And Jeanette or whatever her name was, Jeanette. And she just goes, oh, uh, your partner's pure shite. <laughs> oh, and honestly, like the... To you? Well, it was like the three of us, I don't right, know. Right, right. It probably was me, but I don't know who specifically. Right. Myself, I think Gordon Dale, Mark Wilson. <laughs> and we just lost it completely. So no one at home hears that because I've cut it off. But what they do hear then is, is, laughing. is us absolutely not on ourselves. Right. And I couldn't really get that back. You know, I had the tears running down my face and uh, that uh, that was great. And there's been a few, there's been all sorts I mean you get taxi you get taxi drivers all the time it seems like that's who'll, hanging class who'll, who'll go uh, hold on a minute lads I've just got a fear where is it you're gone pal <laughs> aye right aye no bother right and then they right sorry panel as I was saying aye that Alfredo Morelos and it's just it's mad there's no it's a taxi totally driver mad. in Glasgow that doesn't he listen to Super Scores they're keeping you in a job so don't exactly. slightly oh no absolutely wouldn't have it any other way aye totally do you ever get uh, discounts on taxis or anything like that or have you ever no no there must be some perks of the job I suppose it's it's different I for spend you because my life driving people that you around, so you know I don't get taxis yeah, very that's often. True, so. aye. But I suppose it's a hard one being on the radio because your voice is probably 
so many people will recognise your voice, but how many folk can recognise your face? Say, do you get it when you go out on a night out, or is there anything oh, nah, folk not, come up to you? Not really, I'm no arrogant enough to think I'm that well known, do you know what I mean? I think maybe what is what has boosted it a little bit is because of social media now, so there would have been a time where you never knew what people on the radio looked like at all, yep. whereas now you only have to go on the Twitter feeds, the website, the podcast, and your face, is, face is, is all over it. You listen, you, aye, the odd time, I don't know, like... The autographs, or... Well, it's a selfie generation. If you're in a crowd of like, I mean, listen, never <laughs> walking down the street or anything like that, really, you get the odd personal shout, oh, super scoreboard, and I don't know, if you're at like a, a sportsman's dinner or a, a football event or there's like like-minded people who are likely to know, I get the odd kind of get a selfie. God knows why you would want that, but that, aye, it's happened a couple of times. But What do you do away from super scoreboard then? You've been doing a bit with Scotland as well, haven't you? Like, work-wise, I, I mean, I'm, technically I am freelance, I'm self-employed, if anybody wants to hire me, this is a weird, this is a Free plug. Get, get, get in touch, I'm, I'm, I'm available, because um, it's not the only thing I do, uh, granted it takes up most of my time, so um, yeah, I do some things for the, the Scottish FA, just their likes, uh, online channels, podcasts, that's pretty good as well, it's just different, so you change your pace it's a bit in depth, you know they do a kind of series of interviews with sort of legends or high profile so I've had the chance to sit down with the previous manager who's gotten Strachan now Alex McLeish just kind of in-depth stuff and James McFadden who was like my absolute hero growing up as you know and now I like kind of know him and, and have done work with him so it's a bit weird What's uh, it like meeting your hero? Nah, no. do you know what He's, he lives up to it to be fair he's a uh, really a good guy, guy he's not a disappointment he's not at all I just I just need to let it go a bit now because it's a bit weird uh, um, Is there anybody that you've met and you thought they were your hero or you really admired and you thought oh I mean, Kenny Dalgleish was just difficult, I thought, I interviewed him before, and it, it wasn't that I disliked him or I thought, oh, never meet your heroes, it's just, you know, he, I was... It's a different generation, maybe, I think. He's just probably thinking, who is this 23-year-old, like, you know what I mean, I don't care, really, and it just didn't see me, he didn't blow me away the way I wanted him, basically, yeah. that was it, it's maybe me that had the expectations too high, that was a disappointment, but whether it was my fault or his, who knows, who knows uh, Andy Robertson's a, ah, he's a good. Oh, he's good. Sticks out. In ah, he's he must be a good guy. Aye, we did a sure. podcast with him for the, the Scottish FA. Ah, he's just great. Because I mean, like, go back to what I said about managers. A couple of things when you're when now when I look at a player, are they a good player? First of all, um, but can they talk? Because that's obviously what we're interested in, and ah, he can talk, and ah, he's really good. Never seems to forget. He's because his story's been unbelievable. Everybody knows it. You don't definitely don't need me to tell you that five years ago he played for Queens Park. Everybody, but. Um, he seems like a really good guy. Nice now he's talking. proper, like elite. You know. What would you say to folk that are maybe watching this and, and want to be journalists or uh, come through the ranks and do something similar? Because um, I suppose that you you says that you, you you worked hard when you're younger. Mm-hmm. You got the experience, but you, you get the qualifications as well. But I suppose it's trying to make connections, isn't it? To a I certain degree as well. Bit, it's a bit like everything. Um, I would say if you're if money is your driving factor, don't do it. Forget about it. Um, unless you're going to hit the very, very top, then I, I can't imagine it's you know that's not that's not a driving factor for people. Um, I thought you got a new car the other week, no? Eh? I thought you got a new car the other week. <laughs> but still, <laughs> I've seen your car, mate. <laughs> that's because I'm saving uh, saving other races. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, but the, yeah, listen, I think that that no, but that is a genuine eye opener for people. Like sure. when you go in first of all, oh my god, you would I think you would get a genuine shock. You would get a real, real shock as to like. Oh, hold on a minute, you're on TV or you're on the radio, you must be, you know, wow, it's not like that. Totally. But um, from my experience, most of the people do it because they love it. I love Scottish football. 
and I'm not being paid to say that. If I'm saying Super Scoreboard, you could accuse me of being paid to say it. I just Is love that it. that agenda? <laughs> um, I'm passionate about it, so that doesn't seem like work. Aye. That doesn't seem like work. So if you truly love something, then you want it, then I would say absolutely go for it. Um, yeah, qualifications, whatever, fine, but I don't think anything's really ever going to compete with experience and, and meeting people. Would that annoy you? This would annoy me to a certain extent. There's people like yourself that have went through college, university, etc., studied to do it, can't get a job, and they're getting newspapers, for example, I've got John Hartson writing a column. Mm, no, no. Who, who, think... John Hartson's maybe a bad example, but you, you know where I'm coming from. They've got ex-football players, Barry Ferguson, John mm. Hartson, writing columns in newspapers. Now, I'm not going to judge them and say that they're not equipped to write it, but there's people that have been studying that for years and years. Yeah, but there's there different roles. It's a, it's a columnist is, a, is there to give an opinion. I mean, the journalist can then get the story, get the interview and, and work alongside that. No, there's, there's definitely there's place for, for both. I mean, you've just mentioned them because you're aware that they write columns. What does that tell you? Do you know what I mean? Sure. And listen, there's, let's not be naive about it. People want to sell newspapers and, and get get listeners or viewers or whatever it may be. Um, no, I would, I would defend that. I mean, I suppose you've got the other I'm not saying they're all brilliant. I'm not saying I like, like everyone's column, but... It must be frustrating, though. For no, them. but like I say, I think I think I do think they're I think you're confusing two roles there for me. I mean, if you're a if you're a columnist, you're you maybe want to be able to give a bit of an insight that that other people can't give. That that's the way I see it. I think the two should They've be able to experience go, in the field. I think so they should be able to go hand in hand. I think they should both be able to do it. I mean, similarly, now seeing some footballers are maybe want to turn their hand to presenting or, or being the kind of journalist type yeah. carrying out the interview I think that's dangerous I think they need to be really good at it I don't I think there are because you don't want them taking your job well, listen, they, they can write in the papers but they're not coming on Super School well, listen see if they're, if they're if people are good at their job I oh, think yeah, that's right. fine um, but I just think there probably will be some examples of guys who um, aren't that good at it and are there you know so that's different I mean look at Gary Lineker's the ultimate he He's is brilliant. flawless people forget you just forget he was a footballer yep He's absolutely brilliant. He's as slick as they come. Absolutely magnificent. So you can't, you know, couldn't slight guys like that. But so as long as they're doing it for the right reasons. What's the future plans for you then? I don't know. I'm going to be... At Clyde for a long time? I'm sort of committed there, if you like. For they're committed to me. I'm committed to them for the next two years. Good. Um, I don't think that's really public knowledge. There you go. you got yourself exclusive. the world's worst exclusive on your podcast. In the press release <laughs> um, after this. So for the next two seasons, for sure, I've just arranged that. Um... Did you ever go and work for Down South Premiership? You said you love Scottish football. I mm. suppose that's your... Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm not sure, honestly, because people ask me that a lot. Listen, and I'd like to, I'd like to give TV a crack at some point. Um, I guess the presenting skills, the the skills of the job would, would be the same. But then you'd be going in an environment where I, I'm. I'll be honest, like Scottish football is my speciality. Is a bit of a weird word to use. I'm sure people would disagree, but. So whether it would be transferable or not, I, I wouldn't close the door on anything now. Good. Ideal. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Thanks very much to everybody that listened to episode two. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook at the DW Podcast, on Twitter at the DW Podcast One, uh, and on SoundCloud, iTunes, and all the, the usual places as well. So thanks very much, uh, and we'll see you again soon.